Welcome to the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. Good afternoon and welcome back to another rambling voice edition of the Truth Hurts program for your Monday, the 11th day of April 2022. I am your host, Steve Z, and we are coming to you from the front seat of the old F-250 pickup truck right now as we travel back east from Baton Rouge, Louisiana to Studio 63 for a little late afternoon production. My friends, I want to talk to you for just a moment about awards. Awards. Think about the Academy Awards, the Emmys, the Oscars, the Tonys, the award shows given by entertainers and people who are so very concerned and worried about what entertainers do. I've often said in the past, an entertainer is someone who is designed to make me laugh or to make me cry or to excite me emotionally. Most entertainers come in three forms. Athletes who are paid to play a game or perform some stupid human trick like putting a ball through a hoop or kicking a ball through an upright goal or running with a ball really fast or swimming really fast or jumping over a hurdle or a pole vaulting event something that a trained monkey could do. The next group of entertainers are the musicians. I'm a musician, and when I am doing my job as a musician, the only thing that should ever be expected of me is to perform my music at the level that the audience wishes to see or hear. That's it. My opinion on politics, religion, Anything is completely irrelevant. My opinion is not what people are paying to hear, paying to see. Then there are the actors, those whose job it is to imitate, to mimic, to be a parrot, to pretend to be someone they could never possibly be in real life. And thanks to fancy stunt work and fancy special effects and computer-aided graphics and fancy makeup, they look as if they are doing superhuman things that the average person could not ever possibly do. But remember, the best actor will fool you, trick you into believing they are something or someone that they are truly not. When it comes to the award shows that most people concern themselves with, it usually has to do with the actors, people pretending to be someone they could never be in real life. And who generally gives those awards away? Other actors, other people pretending to be someone that they are not, someone they could never be. It's a mutual admiration society in which a group of pretenders get together and pretend to be honoring one or more other pretenders 
for pretending to be someone they are not. So whenever you see the Academy Awards, remember, any and every aspect of that awards show, that awards program, that awards process is 100% make-believe. Tell you what, I'll let you be best actor this year if you promise to vote for me to be best actor next year. Of course, you have to put out a halfway decent entertainment product to be considered. But the bottom line, when all is said and done, is they are pretenders, pretending to be someone they're not, and giving one another awards for it. Oh, sure, you have the People's Choice Awards, but those are highly involved awards in which groups of people get together in a clique, in a club, and decide, Ooh, I like the way this lady dressed in this movie. I liked her makeup. Let's make her the People's Choice Award winner. Those awards actually mean absolutely nothing to intelligent, educated, thinking persons. Now, the award show that I would like to see would be the best EMT, emergency medical technician, in a real-life drama, a real-life shootout. A guy or a girl who has to man their ambulance and go into a live shooting situation and pull out a cop that's been shot or rescue some victim and perform emergency medical procedures on that victim while they are still in danger of they themselves being shot. How well did you save a life today? Now that's an award show I could get behind. Best fireman in a multi-story blaze rescuing some elderly lady. That's an award show that I could get behind. Best actual doctor performing an emergency separation of conjoined twins, joined at the brain, and if he doesn't separate them, they both die immediately. That's what I want to see. Award show for the best social worker who actually turned someone's life around and saved someone from suicide. Best pharmacy breakthrough in a non-big pharma setting. In other words, the guy who realized that um, some remedy that he and his other doctor friends came up with will actually do some good for society instead of making some pharmaceutical company richer than they already are. My apologies, their hesitation where it's a pretty heavy traffic again, leaving Baton Rouge. If you listened to this program this morning, I talked about infrastructure, true roads and bridges, and how some forward-thinking countries actually plan ahead and do urban planning and provide large enough sections of highways to accommodate the amount of traffic flow, not today, not next year, but 10 years ahead of time, so that you don't have these three-hour backlogs to drive 71 miles. You guys in LA, you guys in New York City, you guys in Houston, Atlanta, Dallas, Memphis, Nashville, Tennessee, 
Atlanta, Georgia, if I haven't already mentioned them. You guys know what I'm talking about. Proper planning prevents poor performance. So I'm in some heavy traffic this afternoon, driving through Baton Rouge, Louisiana, where in some places it's only two lanes wide for a city of a million people, city and metropolitan area. Some areas it's three lanes wide. Ooh-wee, we've really come a long way when it should be five lanes wide. And who the hell ever designed the exits? The exits off of interstates. You've got a hundred cars trying to get off of an exit to turn onto a thoroughfare. They get seven car lengths off the interstate and they hit a traffic light, a red light. And so the exit is backed up a mile, two miles, and sometimes even further. Because the planners, when they put the interstates in, said, yep, we can keep these cars flowing at 55 miles an hour. But when they go to get off, it's a cluster. And then you know what kind of cluster I'm talking about. I need not say it. So, what did you do this wonderful Monday? I'm heading home to once again for the fifth straight week bring in the lawn furniture, tie down loose ends and things in the backyard because we in South Louisiana are once again bracing for severe weather Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of this week. The southeast of the United States, the southeast portion of the United States cannot catch a weather break. And the National Hurricane Center is out with its forecast for the upcoming 2022 hurricane season. They want it to be a more inclusive hurricane season, so they don't have names like Betsy and Carl anymore. Every name has to be some weird Latino name or some Asian-sounding name or even some Laquashes to Latishas to Lanishas to Ladashes to Latironas. They have to be more inclusive-sounding. But what happens this year if a major hurricane, Latasha, Ladasha, Lanicha, Shaquina, comes through and devastates an area like New Orleans or Miami? Would it then be racist to call out that hurricane by its Afrocentric name? Just asking. This is the Truth Hurts program where we tell it like it is. And I have kind of tried to refrain from bringing up the groper in cheat, the groper, the toucher, feeler, hair sniffing, illegitimate president of the United States, Joe Biden. Because even though the mainstream leftist media refuses to report on his family's criminal dealings, and even though his Justice Department, which falls under the executive branch, refuses to properly investigate and turn over the information for Hunter Biden, the criminal, the younger member of the Biden crime family. We point it out here on the Truth Hurts program because we tell it like it is. We don't hide it under the rug. We don't sweep it to the side. They tried for, well, now it's going on six years. 
Six long years, the leftist mainstream liberal progressive woke media has tried and failed to throw something at Donald Trump and actually make it stick. They, along with their cohorts in the leftover Obama Justice Department, which is one of the mistakes, by the way, that Donald Trump did make while in office. I'll go into that in a moment. Those leftovers from the Obama Justice Department did everything that Obama and Biden told them to do. Keep the pressure on Donald Trump. Make Donald Trump look guilty, even though two impeachment attempts proved him to be innocent. Even though ongoing investigations, phony allegations, false accusations, phony fake dossiers, made-up news reports, fake news, tried and tried and tried but failed to convict Donald Trump or to even prove a single shred of criminal activity against him, they spent the final year of Obama's presidency while Trump was running, trying to discredit Trump. They spent four years during Trump's presidency trying to discredit Trump. And they've spent the first year and a half of the Biden administration, year and four months now, trying to make Donald Trump out to be a bad guy. He's not a bad guy. He's a little wacky. And as I said, I I will point out one fault, one mistake Donald Trump made during his presidency. It was allowing a single, solitary member of Obama's inner circle and outer circle to remain in Washington politics. He should have terminated each and every one, every single person who had a damned thing to do with the Obama administration should have tossed them out on their asses like Biden did to every single person affiliated with the Trump administration. That way they sweep in their own criminals, you see. The Biden administration is still in power, although I still can't see how, still can't understand why. They are ruining our nation. They have repealed Title 42 the only thing keeping a million a month or more illegal, trespassing, invading criminals from crossing our southern border. But Steve Z, how are you calling these people criminals? They're just trying to come to America and get a better life for themselves. Because as I've said in the past, and I'll say it till the cows come home, they are indeed criminals. The moment They break the law, and the law they are breaking is our most sacred, sovereign border law. They are trespassing illegally into our country. That's why we call them illegal immigrants. They are breaking the law, and when you break the law, you are a criminal. And it's not like they have to go to trial. They're not citizens of the United States, and yet here they are trespassing into our country. The evidence is crystal clear. They're standing here on our soil after having violated our laws. That is why we call them criminals, because they are law-breaking, illegal, invading trespassers. 
the Biden administration is not only complicit in allowing this to occur, they're encouraging it. Their very policies, their very repealing of other policies that sought to keep illegals out of our country. They're rolling out of the welcome mat, the red carpet, the free air-conditioned rides to city of your choice as long as you remember to vote Democrat. That is not just complicit. That is participatory. That is direct involvement. That is orchestration. Do you not get it? Joe Biden and Camel Toe Harris, along with their friends, naughty, Nazi, nasty Nancy Pelosi, and chuckles over the glasses of the clown Schumer, are all doing everything they possibly can within the law and outside of the law to destroy our American way of life, to destroy our democracy. And they have the nerve, the unmitigated gall to stand up in front of the cameras and say that Republicans returning to power is the biggest threat to democracy? These Democratic leaders, these Pelosi's, these Schumer's, these Biden's, these camel toes, they are destroying our nation. Destroying it. Sorry folks, I had to try and warn someone that they're riding on a flat tire. Their front tire is flat. On the interstate, 75 miles an hour. I don't know how the hell she kept the steering wheel in her hand. The tire is literally flat on a Honda Civic. And she just keeps on riding on it. Oh well, when she completely shreds it, then she'll say, well, I guess that guy was right. I wasn't trying to pull her over. I was warning her that she has a flat tire. Some people just don't listen. And, and you know what? In a way, I kind of don't blame her. I really don't. I wouldn't expect my, I would hope that my daughter would have enough sense to at least slow down, get in the right lane instead of the fast lane, slow down, get off the next exit, pull into a service station somewhere where she could check her tire. But um, yeah, it's not like we're in a desolate, desolate area, uh, an isolated area out in the middle of nowhere. This is three lanes of traffic cruising down the interstate in broad daylight. It is what it is. Let's change gears for just a moment. Let's talk about courtesy or lack thereof on the highway. Every person driving thinks that their car is the only car on the highway that matters. Their car is the only car that they need to worry about. And if they want to get in the other lane, they just do it. Most do not even use a turn indicator, a signal, turn signal, to try to let someone know, hey, I'd like to get over here. Please give me just a little bit of room. Then there's the opposite of those. Those of us who do use our indicator to try and let people know, hey, I'd like to get over into that lane, they speed up. They speed up because, oh my God, how dare this person think they're entitled to the piece of concrete rolling in front of me. I'm not going to let them in. 
The lack of common courtesy is probably the primary reason in America for drive-by shootings on the highway. Probably the leading cause of road rage. And road rage in New Orleans isn't flipping someone the finger and calling them an effing moron. No, road rage in New Orleans. Thank you, Department of Transportation. That's a huge hole. Huge hole on the freshly paved service. Uh, Road rage in New Orleans means the person follows you, gets alongside your car and shoots you in the head. Which, again, goes back to common courtesy. There is none. The common courtesy lacking in that situation is if someone gets alongside of me and shoots me in the head while I'm driving at 75 miles an hour, I'm going to probably slump over and let go of the steering wheel. You know what happens when you slump over and let go of the steering wheel? The vehicle goes either left or it goes right into another car, not giving a damn about a soul in the other vehicle. Not a single care in the world. No courtesy whatsoever. None whatsoever. It is unbelievable. Unbelievable. I am currently following a brand new 20, I guess 22, white Chevy Suburban, all blacked out, got his police lights in the grill, no light bar on the roof, no markings whatsoever on the side. I'm going to presume this is one of the brand new Louisiana State Police pursuit vehicles. Uh, it's, a, it's a Chevy Tahoe, not a Suburban, my apologies. And the way the lights are hidden in the the front grill and behind the push bar, which more looks like a deer guard. And he's coming around. Yep, it is a Tahoe. And he's got the lights in the back tucked up over that rear spoiler area where the windshield wiper comes down. That's a clean-looking vehicle. Very nice. The Tahoes, the Suburbans, the police SUVs, even the Explorers set lower to the ground. They actually modify the suspension that keeps these vehicles from rolling over. Uh, as easily as a regular SUV. But I'm just trying to see. I'm up to 96 now, and I'm, he's still pulling away from me. The old F-250, being the diesel dog she is, is governed to 98 miles an hour, or 99, depending on tire size. And now I am pegged. I'm to the floor. I'm at 99, 98, 99, 98. And... This vehicle is still pulling away from me. So much for obeying the law. Now he's getting into the turn, he's turning into the middle lane or getting over to the middle lane. No turn signal, no indicator. He doesn't care. He's above the law, he's a cop. And I have a lot of respect for law enforcement. Those who honor their oath, those who obey the rules that they swore to obey. Those guys I have a lot of respect for. But it's the clowns like this one who are just flat fly. Oh, he's hitting his brakes. Is he going to light this guy up or is he going to slow up? Oh, he's slowing down. I guess he's going to get behind me. I love it. Gotta love these guys. Nope, he's making his, ex his hasty exit from the interstate. And I, I guess my whole point is these guys think they're above the law because they carry the badge, because they carry the gun. They don't have to follow the law that they expect you and I to follow. 
and they protect one another with their thin blue line mentality. That's why if you are in, in a verbal conversation, altercation with a police officer or the cops come out, they always talk to one another first so they get their stories straight. They don't come to you and say, hey, what's up? They go to the, the other cops in their little group. They get together and they, they powwow and they decide what they're going, what they think they can charge you with. Now, I have a clean, clean, very clean police record. I'm not talking about this from the Steve Z standpoint. I'm talking about this from the guy who's driving around maybe in a, an 89 Lumina that's not in the best of condition. And he happens to get into a verbal confrontation with a Karen, some rich woman, or a Carl, which is the male version of a Karen. They're getting into an altercation, let's say over a parking space, or the fact that the Lumina is sitting in front of the gas pump a little too long. And the Karen or the Carl decides to take it upon themselves to call the police and say, well, it was just suspicious. This guy is in an old beat up car and he's refusing to move out of the way so I can pump my gas. When the cops show up, first thing they do, of course, is go to the complainant, which would be the Carl or the Karen. Then they sit together and they come up to the poor person, the indigent person in that 25, 30 year old Chevy Lumina or that beat up old Camry or that old Taurus. And they immediately take a confrontational posture, an accusatory posture. Well, why are you sitting in front of the pump? Because uh, my buddy's inside paying for the fuel. Well, uh, let me see your ID. You don't need to see my ID. I'm not doing anything wrong. You're blocking the pump. I'm going to get fuel as soon as my buddy comes out and they turn the pump on. Well, this woman says you've been sitting here a long time. Well, tell that woman to mind her own business. You get the idea. Just doing a little venting on the afternoon version of the Truth Hurts program. South Louisiana, as I said, Southeast Louisiana and Southeast United States in for some pretty bad weather coming up this week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And as I started to say before I rudely interrupted myself, the National Hurricane Center this year calling for another above average storm season, calling for 19 named storms when the average is supposedly 14. They're calling for, I believe, five major, major hurricanes, category three or better, and the average is four. And they're anticipating landfall on the continental United States, at least two to four storms. Now, here's my only problem with that. And remember, hurricanes, that's my business. That's where I make my money. The average goes all the way back to the 1800s. Actually, I think they're, they include some of those years where uh, this, the late storm of 1792 is included in the average but what I want you to, to think about, to, to understand here, is there were no satellites in the 1800s. There were no satellites in the 1900s until we got to the 19, late 1970s. There were no weather satellites. So those years for which we had no weather satellites, no satellites at all, 
to report back to the government, there might have been many, many, many more storms that just went out to sea. Now when they say the forecast is for many more storms as compared to the average, before we had satellites, there might have been five or ten more storms per year that never made landfall anywhere. We can't include those in the average, of course, because there's no proof that those storms ever existed. And the climate change nut jobs are using this flawed data, this inaccurate data set, saying the average number of named storms is 14 a year. Let's say I'll do a little study this week to see what the average number of named storms and average number of um, major hurricanes were since weather satellite coverage of the entire Atlantic Basin and the United States became available. I would venture to say the average is much, much different than what they're reporting because they're including century or more of data that they could not possibly be able to accurately identify storms that were out to sea. That's all the time I have for this edition of the Truth Hurts program. We'll see you next time. Make it a great day. Thank you for listening. Opinions expressed are free speech protected by the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. We apologize if you were offended, but we retract nothing. Background music by Jason Shaw and Audionautics.